Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Could I have all the moms stand so that we can acknowledge you and appreciate you? Thank you, moms. If you haven't received one yet, there are some handkerchiefs out there. You may be seated. Um, And some fans that are yours for your Mother's Day. Genesis wanted to give you something. And so fans and uh, handkerchiefs, don't ask why. We could have put a sappy scripture with it, but um, it's just a cute little gift. And we thought that would be something good for you guys. And I want to pause and pray for you moms uh, before we get started, as well as we get starting in our talk this morning. Lord, we thank you for all the moms that are here today. We thank you for the influence that they have on our lives, on our children's lives, and the tireless work that it is, Father, being a mom and how it consumes them in so many ways. Father, may you provide strength, may you give wisdom, And may your loving assurance embrace them. Lord, none of us have this figured out. We are all trying to find out how to live the best life. And so many times moms are plagued with guilt, wondering if they're doing things correctly. And I pray that you would remove that guilt and replace it with your acceptance, with your love, and with your mercy. And Lord, I do want to pray for my mom who is going Wednesday to get another scan to find out if the treatments are working against the cancer, and it is our prayer that they are. We pray, God, that you would use these treatments to bring healing to her body, stop the cancer, Father, and bring relief to her body in all these areas. Again, thank you for this time we have together, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... When I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, I definitely wanted to have something addressing Mother's Day, but not all of us are mothers. Um, And and so I definitely want it to be something that connects to you, whether you are a mom or not. But we are going to be looking at one of the moms in Scripture that I think get overlooked And I hope that no matter where you are in your life, that you will find something that can encourage you, that you can grab hold of and say, you know what, 
I can relate to this. And so this morning I'm going to talk to you about plantar fasciitis, hide and seek, pregnancy tests, doctor's visits, and picking names. Okay, you guys good to go? Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, we're going to read from verses 1 through 12, and we're going to start with verse 1, and it reads, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Can we just stop right here and address the elephant that should be in the room? Okay, she had a slave. Now, a lot of times we want to disinfect the scripture and make it nice and sterile so that we can be comfortable with it. But that's not how it reads. And when we come to things like slavery or we come to passages dealing with genocide, it should make us very uncomfortable We shouldn't just like say, well, you know, that's how it was back then. I'm sorry, it's not good now and it was not good then. And when it shows up, we need to acknowledge those things. About seven months ago, I I did a training and I was... It was a kind of a rainy day, and so I didn't think I was going to be walking, and so I wore some shoes that would just be comfortable in the rain and or in the colder weather. But then there was a break in the weather, and the sun was out, and so I was actually able to take the dogs for a walk, but I wanted to do it quickly before more rain came. And so I went on a brisk about one-mile walk in these shoes that weren't very comfortable, And afterwards, I started developing this pain in my heel. And I thought I bruised my heel, right? And so I'm just trying to stay off of it. And I've got some, you know, insoles that I put on it. But it didn't go away. And months later, I'm still like hobbling along. I get up in the morning and it's like, oh, man, what's going on? And my mind is again, oh, that bruised heel just won't go away. That won't go away. And then I was talking to Alex and I said, hey, yeah, I've got this bruised heel. And he goes, oh, you got plantar fasciitis. I'm like, what the heck is that? And so he sends me a video, you know, of this guy who's saying, this is what it is. And this is, there's this, you know, tendon underneath your foot. And if I get the wording wrong, forgive me. But Basically, they're telling me I need to stretch my calf out and it's in my hip and it's because the bones aren't working right. And so I find out that this pain in my heel is actually connected to all kinds of other things, right? And at the surface, I thought it was just the heel, but it's really got to do with a lot of other things. And sure enough, I start doing these little exercises, rubbing out my calf and my heel feels better. Who knew? Right, And so many times we look at the scripture and we want to have a surface reading of what's going on and we don't want to dive into the things that are controversial or that are difficult. But what the Jewish rabbis used to do and still do is they'll get a passage of scripture that's troubling and they will talk about how they see it. And what they think the interpretation is. And it's not like this is the right way, period. This is not a math textbook that two plus two always equals four. 
There needs to be some wrestling that goes on to be there with these passages. The scripture is not tame. And it's not going to be tamed by us to satisfy our status or ethics. It's okay to wrestle with things. And so many times maybe you've been raised in a church that said, don't question. I can't question why Abram and Sarai had a slave. I can't ask that question. I just have to accept, well, that's how it is and go on my merry way. No, I'm sorry. This is troubling. And this story is troubling. And if you're not troubled by this story, I have a trouble with that. Right here, right now in our story, there is a young Egyptian girl, late teens, maybe early 20s, who is a slave to Abram and Sarah, Sarai, and her name is Hagar. Verse 2. So she said to Abram, This is Sarai, his wife, saying to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Can we just stop again? Because we need to. First of all, I love how Sarai, to be Sarah, if I get her name mixed up, it's because it's so embedded in my mind, tells Abraham, Abram, it's the Lord's fault. I haven't had a child. God has done this. And it's important that we understand this is the mindset that they had. If I can't have children, it's not because of, you know, my genetics. It's not because of anything biological. God just hasn't allowed it to happen because they saw things in that way. And we need to pause again and allow the horror of this story to reach us. Let's not be too quick to gloss over What's happening here in our Bible as if it was normal for that time and, you know, might have been normal. And so, you know, we just accept it. Yeah, we have to read it with a cultural understanding, but we shouldn't have to tolerate that it's offensive. Because it just is. This is something that's horrific. And here, the whole narrative is about Abraham. Hagar is kind of a side note. She's not the main point of this story. It's all about Abraham. It's about the nation of Israel. It's about what is going to come. It's about him giving birth to Jacob, to Israel, for first to Isaac. But there's always more stories when there are more people, right? Everyone has a story. Have you ever felt invisible, like your voice doesn't matter? Have you ever played hide and seek when you were a kid? 
and no one looks for you? <laughs> I remember when I was young and I was got in a fight with my mom about something, some injustice. Uh, I didn't get to have cereal before dinner or something like that. And I went and hid. And I was smart. I hid under the car. And they got worried because Sam's gone. Where did he go? And I could hear them. And I was just smiling, right? Because they're looking for me. And I'm hiding under the car. And then all of a sudden, well, I'm going to get in the car and go look for him. And so sure enough, I think it was my grandfather, gets in the car, starts the engine. And I'm like, oh, crap, right? And and so I go rolling out of the car before he backs it up. And then they scream because he's under the car. You know, don't do anything. I was hiding. I was trying to just, you know, make them worry about me. Sometimes we're not trying to hide, but we feel invisible. We feel like no one sees us. No one knows our story. No one knows what's going on. We don't hear Hagar's voice or side of the story. It's incidental, right? A, A young girl who's a slave and As awful as this story is for her and this situation saying, you know, you have to have a child with Abraham. You also have to be his wife, which means he had more than one wife. Hello? Can we pause again and just say, what's going on here? To her, as horrific as this seems, to her this could be an advantage. If I'm his wife, then now I have the possibility of a future. Possibility to be taken care of and for my child or my children to be taken care of. And even though it's awful, this might be the best thing I have. And putting ourselves in that shoe, in those shoes just seems like... Oh, God, what an awful choice. Because we're going to find out Abraham is not a young guy. And this is my life. This is what I have to do. Why? Because I'm a slave. It's a brutal world that we're looking at here. This isn't a nice story. It's not meant to be. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Verse 4 says, When she knew she was pregnant... She began to despise her mistress. Can you imagine why? I can. I can think of, yeah, that would be a natural reaction to all the things that have just happened. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I just want to pause there. and Anyway, let, let your mind go where it goes, okay? Who's initiated this? It was Sarai. Whose fault is it, Abram? You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. You find out you're pregnant. 
At this time especially, that would have been probably the best news you could have ever received. If a woman was pregnant, it was connected to her worth. And I don't know if any of you have had those pregnancy tests. They're exciting and anxious times, right? If you're trying to have kids, oh boy. If you weren't, oh boy. But what was it for Hagar? I'm pregnant. This is great news. But then she gets mistreated by Sarai. The word treated harshly or mistreated, it actually means afflicted. It probably has to do with being beaten. So here is the father of faith and the mother of the nations. They have a slave. They impregnate her and they're beating her. And this is in our story. Story continues. The angel of the Lord found Hagar. Or verse 6. I didn't read verse 6. Your slave is in your hands. Abram said, "Do do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Why would she want to run, right? What would make going into the desert better than staying there? It had to be pretty bad. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shur. And he said... Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Ask two questions. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she said. It's interesting because she, he's asking two questions, but she only answers one. She knows where she's coming from, but she doesn't really know where she's going. She's probably heading in the direction of Egypt since that's where she comes from. But she only knows that she's leaving. She doesn't really talk about where she's going. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Let's let that sink in. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Why would she now go back to the place where she was mistreated? What would be her motive to doing something like this? It's because of the future that is now promised to her child. How many moms do things that they don't want to do because of their children? Right? 
I shared with you guys this before, but it's still so etched in my memory. I remember going to the doctors again when I was young and I had an infected finger and I don't know why it was infected. I was just a kid playing and it got cut or something and I didn't clean it because I don't know if your kids all wash their hands every time they play, but I didn't apparently. And so it got very infected. And so I went to the doctor's office and he had to take uh, look like a Bowie knife, but it was a scalpel, right? And he had to slice open the wound and he had to drain all the pus out of it. And I remember being in there just screaming because the guy's cutting my finger, right? And I remember my mom being in the room and seeing her and seeing her crying while I was crying. And I, at first my thought was, why is she crying? Her finger's not getting cut. <laughs> But then the second emotion was she's feeling what I'm feeling and it made me feel better even though it still hurt. Right? Sometimes I think about that. When I'm watching my mom and they're sticking needles trying to find a vein for her to get the medication she needs. And I remember she was there for me when I was getting cut and they were doing work to try and heal me. Sometimes being a mom, sometimes it puts you in places you don't want to be. Sometimes you take jobs that you don't really want to take. Maybe you give up the career that you would like to have to do what you need to do for your family. You move to the place you have to move to so that you can take care of your family. Sometimes we live exhausted lives because We are caring for someone else and sometimes requires you to do what is uncomfortable, to go to a place you wouldn't normally go, but because it is going to be an advantage to them, you still go. The older I get, the more I see the woman and my mother. The 20 years old crush on my father before he was my father's woman. And it's funny how sometimes we forget of the hero and the human, the story before the superpower, the woman before the mother, the woman and the mother. This, this is an open letter to all of you. Dear woman, we see you. Even when it feels as though mom has been said more times in a day than you can count and you are trying to extend hands that have been empty for so long and extend patience that has been thin for so long. Dear woman, afraid of being hidden under piles of laundry and stampeding children, afraid that she is buried by the demands of everyone around you carrying worlds on your shoulders and still managing to stand taller than ever. Dear woman, wandering where the sound of her own voice has disappeared to. Dear woman, holding newborn baby, afraid in awe and then afraid again, terrified that she's been given all the wrong ways to love, assumes that she could never do it right. A woman who knows more tired than rest, more chaos of a home than peace. Dear woman, you are wonder and warrior. You are lighthouse, rescue ship, and also the waves raging in between. You are seen. You are known. 
You are not forgotten, dear woman, who so desperately want to be mothers who have wept at their body's disloyal attempts of creating new life, dear woman, who cringes every time she is called that because how could barren womb still be considered woman enough? You are woman enough. You are simply enough for the mothers who are mothers through a care system who will never understand what family means you have taken the unlikely bunch and love them still dear woman who is made familiar with the inside of abortion clinics who has felt life be uprooted from her lungs and her womb dear woman you are seen you are known you are not forgotten to the woman who is inhaling and exhaling life on this earth when her child no longer does sometimes control is not always in your fix-it hands. This is not your fault. This was not your fault to the women who are buried down by depression, all barren eyes and heavy hearts. There is still sunshine coursing through your veins. When you are ready, please get back up. Please get back up, dear woman, to the yes women and the no women. To the I am still standing, even in the eye of the storm woman. To the I can be super without the cape woman. To the mothers and the almost mothers. To the one day mothers. You are seen. You are known. You are not forgotten. You are wonder and warrior. You are a lighthouse, rescue ship, and also the waves raging in between. You are seen. You are known. You are not forgotten. It's powerful. Uh, you can see that on Ariel Astoria's webpage. She's going to be teaching one of the workshops on writing. You know, to not be seen to not have your story matter, to being on the margins and not really the subject matter, and yet to have this kind of event happen to you is just unimaginable. And then... Hagar does something that as far as I can tell, no one else in all of scripture does. She gives the Lord a name. Have you ever picked names? It's such a big deal, right? I got to get the right name because if you get the wrong name for your kid, it's with them the rest of their life. And as we're picking out names, it's like, what about this name? No, no. I went to school with a kid like that, and he was kind of funky, right? You know, it's like all these things play into that. But here Hagar does something, and she gives the Lord a name. And in verse 13, she gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar 
bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she bore. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now, the angel told her, you're going to name him Ishmael. But Abram names him Ishmael. Who gets the credit? It's Abram. You see, Hagar had the names of the gods in Egypt in her mind. She probably could recall their names. And she had probably heard the name Yahweh mentioned by Sarai and Abram and their God. But now it had to become her God. And her God had to have a name that she could connect to. Because how do you connect to a God when you are the slave of the people? How do you connect to a God when you are used by these people? How do you connect or put faith in a God who does not see you, who does not know you, who thinks of you as just someone you can use? That will not do. And so she gives God a name and she says, you are the God who sees. And there is a time in your life and in my life where we have to come and say, who do I believe in? What is the God I believe in like? Does that God care about me in my situation, in my circumstance? And you will need to have a God who sees you right where you're at in the things that you're going through and the struggles that you have who can meet you there because if he cannot, then I do not want him to be my God. It's not enough to have the God of Abraham. It has to be my In chapter 21, it goes on in the story where Abraham and Sarah have Isaac and Ishmael and Isaac aren't getting along. And the narrative is the older one was making fun of the younger one, which I know never happens in your family. (laughs) But in this family, it causes the mother to get kicked out into the desert. But the God who sees rescues her and she goes and finds her son, a wife, an Egyptian wife. Why? Why not? You see, the struggles that would arise, some of Ishmael's descendants, not all, would go into the Arab nations. It's a lot more complex than that. But there would be struggle between them. There would be friction, as of course there would in this circumstance. And in the little margin of this story, there is a slave girl, a young slave girl named Hagar, who gives the Lord a name, the one who sees me. And may we never forget her. Let's pray.
Lord, we are confounded sometimes, at least I am, with scripture and the stories and the things that happen and our wrestling through them. But Father, it is in that wrestling, it is in that trying to digest what we have just taken in that something emerges. That there is understanding, that there is meaning, that there is a story in a story, that every person matters, even this forgotten young girl who is used, abused, and cast away. She is still seen. She is still known. She is not forgotten. And Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning who maybe feel invisible, who feel like their lives don't matter. Those who have fallen into despair and do not see the light of day, they are stuck. Lord, may they understand even in this dark story that you are the God who sees me. And even as you rescued Hagar twice, Lord, you will rescue us again and again and again. And I pray, Father, that we would take hope. Not in the God of our fathers, not in what we have heard, what we have learned alone, but in who we know you to be by experience. May we find you in those circumstances that are desperate. May we cry out to you and may we name you so that others may know that just like me, they too can be seen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May the God of Hagar be your God. May you see the God who sees you. And may you wrestle to hear his voice in your times of need. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.